Hello, it's Jack Tutor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to the Crucial Listening Podcast, where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Tavishi from Richmond, Virginia, which is the project of multi-instrumentalist, composer, performer, visual artist, scientist, activist, and community organizer, Shamishta Talakda. I got into Tavishi a few years back with the release of their album Boundaries. Shamishta works prominently with data sonification, the transfer of information across boundaries between one form and into another. And they mention that their music uses disparate elements, such as scientific data, visual narration, Indian classical, Western ambient, and industrial elements to create an anti-colonial form of art that provokes as well as provides sanctuaries for catharsis. Now, that idea of the disparate, I think, is so interesting within Tavishi. There are often sounds that feel like that they're in direct collision. I think the longer you spend in their company, you realize that they're able to cultivate some kind of harmony simply through coexisting. I absolutely adored speaking with Tavishi about all their upcoming and recent projects and also their four important albums. This is another one where we didn't quite get it down to three, which is always fine. I know it's difficult to pluck out three important records. Sometimes four is the lowest you can go. <laughs> um, but this was a really great conversation. So you can check out more of Tavishi's music over at tavishi.bandcamp.com. Also, I'd recommend checking out their film Home. As they mentioned in this podcast, they've got another film coming up, but Home, the beautiful piece of work. I'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. And as always, you can head over to attentionmagazine.co.uk forward slash crucial listening for more information on Shamishta's picks and links to their music as well. Cool. Have a lovely time with this conversation. I certainly did. This is Tavishi on Crucial Listening. Hello, Shamishta. Welcome to Crucial Listening. Hi, Jack. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, now, you've come to speak about some important records. Uh, before we dive into those, I wanted to ask a few questions about some new Tavishi pieces that have emerged in recent months. Um, sure. Let's start with, I built this wall by cutting pieces of my heart, which I understand was made using Madame Data's Reflector 13 VST. Um, yes, that is correct. Yeah, my friend Ada, who also goes by Madam 13, Madam Data, sorry. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Created this, yeah, VST called Reflector 13 on Pure Data. Yes, and I use that. Great. I seem to remember actually you used their VST for the contribution to the attention span compilation as well. What is it that you like about working with their VSTs? And um, tell me a bit about how you came to, to generate this piece as well. So the first question was how I came to uh, work with these VHDs. Yes. So I do work with certain VSTs, uh, 
um regard when i use like when i do music production using ableton for mm. example granulator is one of them that i use quite often and there are some others that i use like i can't remember all of them at the point but the granulator is the one is the one that i really like a lot uh-huh. because it um uses granular synthesis and i really like that concept of like breaking things down and constructing new things from it mm-hmm. and i really like madam data's uh, reflector vst uh, a lot because that one is like basically similar to granular synthesis in concept sort of it's not it's just that it's not breaking anything down right. but it's just like generating sounds and like you can control some of it using the parameters that are designed into the vst i i like highly recommend checking the vst out mm. i feel like it's it's like has a really good minimalistic feel but you can like it, it still gives you freedom to like play with and like generate unique sounds from it nice so that's why i used um that vst because i was like first of all like i am so much in awe of my friend making this vst from scratch i'm like i can i do not know how you did this magic but you did it and i'm like so in love with this <laughs> so I, yeah. yeah i really like the idea of as well using vsts that have been generated by someone you know because so many vsts that you know utilized within music uh kind of anonymous yeah, they're just baked yeah. in right so yeah they're a queer person of color and they're amazing person like i personally know them and they're like an amazing very ground down to earth also has like science base in their work as well Great. so i i actually look up to their work a lot so when they did love this vst i was just like whoa i love this <laughs> <laughs> and it's very different from like using commercial vsts cuz it's like i do not know what you know their theory behind this vst is or like how they are as a person like maybe they are a great person but i do not know them you know right exactly yeah yeah it almost becomes like a like almost like a, a passive collaboration where they're setting up mm-hmm. the environment in which you operate which i yeah. absolutely love. Yeah. I'm trying to be and I'm trying to be very specific specific about like whom I'm collaborating with by whom my art is getting influenced in the creation process like those things are very important to me. Mm. And speaking of which you worked with um another really wonderful label Chinabot um Oh yeah. And yes. had a piece on the HKH Cryosphere release as well. Um Can you tell me a bit about the data sonification process you used to to construct that piece? So yeah, sure. Um so the, the theory behind the compilation was to highlight the crisis that's happening regarding the melting of glaciers in the Hindugush mountains. Hmm. And like whenever climate change is talked about, a lot of focus is usually on like, you know, the western cities like, oh, Paris will drown. Like no <laughs> nothing nothing uh, nothing against Paris. Mhm. No no like no anti feelings against Paris, but like why is the western countries so focused when we talk about climate change when climate change is actually brought mostly by you know western countries not to mention wide based countries yes so and the suffering end of it are mostly like developing countries and you know the countries that have already been devastated by colonization mhm so when um 
Safi came to me with this idea. I was like, this is a great idea and I totally support it. And I was thinking how I could work on this process. And I I kept thinking and I realized that there is a lot of climate denial happening currently where climate scientists are, you know, not not believed their like their data that they have like produced so crude like with such excruciating hard work yeah it's like not be given attention to and they have been like doing this work for like decades right and so like there's there has to be a way to like uplift those voices that have like spoken about truth in a scientific like exists in our world in a scientific way so i was like how can i like highlight this scientific truth that's that's like has a relationship with climate change so i looked up the date if there was any studies done regarding the glacier melting of the glacier in the hindu kush mountains there was like a good amount of research that was done so i saw i studied those papers i compiled those data that they collected uh so they basically so a lot of the studies where they were like collecting the data over the years and basically decades of like how the the rate of melting of the ice has changed and how like it's getting to a very critical point hmm. and also like projections like so based on the data they also like did like a projection like what is going to happen regarding the glacier melting over time say what is going to happen in 2022 what's going to happen in 2030 you know they predicted that that as well yeah So I took that data and using um an algorithm actually I converted that data into sound and then I you know applied uh sound production sound engineering um principles using different synths to like generate sound using the midi that was generated from the data and then I sort of like engineered <laughs> that's the word <laughs> uh the the sound piece yes amazing so i mean that's a really fascinating bit of backstory there i think um what you say about the prevalence of climate denial is very interesting because it does seem that at the moment in terms of how people are absorbing information that um truth often gets confused with saliency and the ease with which information is ingested you know something has just a, a very convenient tight narrative it can parade as truth quite easily and i love the idea and i i don't know whether this is i don't know whether this is the thinking behind what you're doing there but with data sonification you're able to gener- generate saliency within data that may otherwise be perhaps exactly. i don't know too complex right is that yes. is am, am i getting the right thing there i don't know if saliency is something that i was looking for particularly mm. um but like it was definitely a f- i was it was basic it was more based in uh feelings of solidarity hmm um solidarity with the people who are going to be affected by the by the melting of the hindu kush glacier because south asian some continent you know the asian subcontinent that it's like it's not a small continent it's a it could affect many countries yeah and specifically among among those countries the very very marginalized poor working class you know people who already have been struggling those are the ones who are going to be suffering the most yeah so so this was more of a this was created more with the feeling of solidarity 
also solidarity with the people in china board who you know also other artists in china board who also worked in this concept and we tried to highlight the situation which still doesn't get a whole lot of attention from media i'm not sure why so yeah. so i i still feel like that that record that record uh, that china board release that compilation definitely did not receive the attention that it deserved um i feel like there were like there was like a lot of good work in it and i don't know why it didn't get enough attention at that time at that at that time the situation political situation in the world was also also very um not great i think there was like lot of hatred towards uh chinese folks yes. regarding the covid and i don't yeah. know if that that affected it or not i'm not sure but it was definitely a critical time and i don't know i'm not sure exactly why such a great um compilation didn't get the attention it deserved so that those were one of two of the feelings that i had when i started working with china about regarding this compilation another thing that i wanted to do was like i am very very passionate about truth so it's like i i feel like if my work is like shedding some light on truth then it's like i couldn't be more happier right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like it's like a truth that has been you know erased you know yeah. from the western society it is it's like it's it's a multi-layered truth that has like several truths weaved into it and i was trying <laughs> to like sort of capture that in my sound that i tried to create using the data so there's a lot of like um i i think i've seen you talk about this before and i think it came up in our interview that this this idea of um translating data from 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 one source to another or into a different form seems very prevalent in your work although i think uh, i seem to recall you saying at the time and when we spoke about it that this conversion process actually it's it's very organic in that it exists in the conversion of energy across the natural world all over all of the time yes true. um is is there something in particular that that appeals about taking you know data from within one context and then transposing it in this way or however you you would describe it i think there is like a lot of feelings and a lot of thoughts regarding that i have concerning data hmm. so it's like it it goes across like a lot of fields actually so um so data in its purest form is truth right because it's just data mm-hmm. like it's just bits and pieces of data so it doesn't it shouldn't it shouldn't have any influence or any bias but when data is processed in the hands of human mm-hmm. the their perspective their bias their filter of perception gets imposed on the data and then data becomes something else mhm which could be helpful if you're trying to create art and it could not be helpful if you're trying to write a scientific paper right. <laughs> <laughs> so right. so that's one of the fe- one of the things i think about data i also think about how data gets manipulated in ways to fit capitalistic agencies I think I saw some of it when uh covid was happening where like different data statistics would actually like eliminate some of the data and would like only show this data to show as if that the virus was like not spreading the way it was right like yeah like it was it was created there was a, the data was manipulated to show like oh we are safe something like 
some kind of trying to like create a false sense of security when there was actually no security right so so that's like another form of like you know data was getting manipulated it's also a way where truth is getting manipulated yes so i think of that as a lot like when we are also processing information be it any kind of information be it basically be your sound the sound of your voice that i'm hearing so my my brain is processing it as data in some form right mm-hmm. so i feel like data is like everywhere if i look at it so why not you know work with it <laughs> <laughs> that's a great answer um so the the final two things i want to touch on before we go to your important records are um the couple of projects that i understand you've got in a pipeline so what can you tell me about tavishi and friends tavishi and friends my next project uh-huh oh this one is something that i have been working on for some time it features my collaborations with my friends basically and i am trying to like get myself out of my comfort zone so that i can like you know blend my sounds into somebody's else's sounds and still make it work in right. a way that's acceptable to not just me but also a person who i'm collaborating with <laughs> so you know my friends they create sounds and they enjoy from like different genres some of it is like bedroom pop some of it is like pretty much electronic music some of it is like some of some of my friends are like dj's who you know use uh indigenous sounds in their dj mixes some of my friends are you know vocalists some of my friends are not vocalists some of my friends are noise noise artists so i wanted to like move myself out of my get myself out of my comfort zone where i just work with myself and i'm like okay what can i do how can i like expand the sound that i have and what's the best way to expand other than collaborating and like growing with other people and how's that is that underway it's underway you know it's underway i have worked on like three tracks out of i don't know where how many i got of i got i got like a few submissions quite a few submissions and i'm working on it and i was supposed to actually release it like in the fall of this year but then the pandemic and global crisis happened <laughs> <laughs> and so i am behind my time because i had to stop working on the stuff that i was working on regarding my art because i thought um there was need for me or in my in my community and also like also like in in places that i call community not just richmond but that my community is not just does not it's not just confined to richmond my community also is not you know i have friends and people that i organize with you know all over us and also in india so i had to like i feel like i felt called to like do some work to like support the people with whom i am going through this global crisis so i i sort of paused the work that I, I was doing regarding my art practice so i have not picked up after where, where i left off of and i will definitely get back into it um i think about it every day and i am just like i am not sure when i will try i will get back to into it but i hopefully i will be able to because there is just a lot happening there's yeah, just a lot happening absolutely the other project that you've got on the horizon is a new short film as well is there anything that yes. you can tell me about that 
Um, sure. I don't want to give spoilers too much, though. Because <laughs> this one is also something that's like very close to my heart. And I actually have been working on this for like past three years. So I basically have been like, how, what, how do I say? Documenting stuff. Documenting things that I thought were very innovative and shifting shifting in a way like shifting the narrative shifting shifting the status quo shifting the way things have been imposed kind of a in a revolutionary way but also not a like in a like a creative revolutionary way if i can say so mm-hmm. so it's a it's a science fiction short film and i've never done something like this wow <laughs> so yeah ed- video editing takes a lot of time <laughs> and focus and i love it i i love creating like i all i when i was like young i used to write short stories and one of the short some of the stories that i used to write was like i just like science fiction as well and i stopped doing that after i became more engrossed in scientific writing Hmm. And I feel like but the part of me that was a writer that the part of me that wrote science fiction is still there in me and I think that artist comes out in different forms uh-huh. be it data moshing <laughs> <laughs> or be it you know trying to create science fiction based uh, experimental short films so yeah I hope whenever it comes out whenever I'm able to like get the work done it'll be something that people like Brill, I really implore everyone to check out your Bandcamp and everything that you've released and everything we talked about. I'll include links in the show notes. Um, best of luck as well with the film and the new collaborative record. They both sound great. Do keep me posted Thank on you. those. Thank you so much. I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> so on to your important records, I mean, one question I like to ask to begin with is how you thought about the term important when you picked your list of records here. So was there a particular way that you understood the term important to come up with the list that you did? True. Important is very important to talk about. <laughs> like what is important is, is a good question. Hmm. I think the records that I'm talking about are important in many ways. The first, in the first way that I think they're important is that they are all very pioneering in their own ways mm. each of the level each of the not label, each of the artists and each of the uh, album that i'm going to talk about are like pioneering works in their own ways in their own fields in their own genre second way i think it's important is that they are all about changing the way we perceive sound mm. how we normally perceive sound in that specific genre maybe or even outside of that genre the third way i think this label this oh, sorry i keep saying label uh, <laughs> the third way i keep say i the third way i think this these uh, um, albums are important is that they are all created by people of color mm. like you know black indigenous and brown people of color and i think those are i'm not saying that they are important just because they were created by black, by black indigenous and brown people of color however that is true too in spite of like that those that importance that comes with a social justice lens 
I feel like those are those works are also important in the way that they have sort of impacted and influenced their audience and maybe even the target audience. So that's what that was one of the reasons why I asked you like what your target audience is. I feel like the target audience of each of these albums are like different. Right. Yeah. And, and I still and I feel like still they were able to like reach out, connect and maybe change the target audience thinking and perception a little bit. Right. Yeah. That's that's curious. I'm intrigued to to bring that question to each of these records as we as we uh-huh. talk about them. So let's take uh, the first one. I'll I'll let you pick whichever one you want to go with first. Uh, Shami Um I will go with the uh, Moore Mothers and Lux Fluids of Sonic Black Holes first, if that's okay. Absolutely, yeah. So can you tell me a bit about why this one is important to you? Um, it's a critically important work because it's by a black woman who's like very revolutionary not only in her um art but also in her person like in her political and personal life i feel like moore mother does amazing work and she's like very intentional about whom she creates art with what her art is going to be about she's like very intentional about like who her target audience is Mm. and she is you know speaking about very important things like you know the the way black people have to you know navigate the world but she does not just talk about that in a way that just like talks this is just like oh i'm talking about this but she like raises it to a whole other level and she actually comes it at from a from a from a practice of Afrofuturism, where she's creating the futures of, like, you know, black folks that she wants to see while she's creating art. Yeah. So she's, she, she's just not a part of Moore Mother. She's also part of, like, some other collectives, one of which is, like, Black Quantum Futurism, mm-hmm. which is specifically about Afrofuturism and, create, and creating futuristic possibilities for black folks. And those works are very inspiring. Like to be somebody like that, to be able to have the strength and power and that creative force to like fight against existing white supremacy by creating art that's so futuristic. Mm. And not just that. It li- so I like the one of the things that I like a lot about Amlock Fluids of Son- Sonic black holes is that it also has like collaboration with other artists so for example um one of the featured artists is emil matluthi who's also an activist and an artist and Mm -hmm. i feel like that's such an important collaboration that you know that she has done and like it's very inspiring it's incredibly inspiring that yeah, that one track that she has with Emil Mitlotti, every time I hear I have I get goosebumps. I get goosebumps. <laughs> it's like so good. And do you recall how you first came into More Mother's work as well? I have been a fan <laughs> for for a few years at least at this point. I think I the first um, album that I was heard of her was Fetish Bones. Uh-huh. That was like the first album that I heard 
I'm not sure how I heard it. I probably came across it on Bandcamp because I f- sometimes go on Bandcamp to just like find sound. Right. Yeah. I just like go sound searching, <laughs> but in a soul searching way. <laughs> <laughs> so I came across fetish bones, and I was like, immediately was like, wow, this is, this is amazing. This is so much power. So much raw power. Wow. Mm-hmm. And like wielding that kind of power in such an artistic way is just incredible and she just raises the bar every time she listens to the album and i feel like sonic fluids of analog uh, sonic analog fluids of sonic records it's just incredible like i there are like a couple of other tracks in the album too that i really like one of them is like repeater i really like the way it starts it has like a very I have I don't know how to describe this. I can only describe this if I like hear it that I can like translate in real time maybe. But um it has I really like the sound, the tone and the sound tones that she uses. Like this dark but also powerful. Mhm. And I really like that combination. I also like the track after images a lot. Yes. I like the droney dro- the use of beats as drone like drums as drone in that track i like that a lot right yeah it's kind of so crushed up that it almost stops being a rhythm at a certain point right um the thing that i find really so immense about this record is just the the density of what's going on yes i like that i really like density and sound yeah i and i have been told some that i sometimes have that in my sound too mm. and and i have been told that's why it doesn't sometimes fit in electronic or experimental music i don't know why people have this concept of avant-garde sound or experimental sounds only being like the sparse minimalistic sound right like, right and i and i don't know who came up with this idea and concept and i do not agree with that at all <laughs> And no. I feel like what, and I I feel like Murmala is definitely an avant-garde artist, and I love the way she plays with vocals and sound tones and the density and power through the sound. Mm-hmm. I think that's very avant-garde and like a, a a class in itself. Another person, another artist who does this similar thing with sound, with like using density as like a, a generating force in their sound is Chinomobi. Right, yes. So, I really like that. I'm I'm very I'm very fond of that density in sound because it's not just dense, it also has textures, textures. And these are like not constant textures. They're like fluid and interactive and evolving with the time that you hear the sound. And also means that you can have tracks that are like a minute in length or 2 minutes in length. And mm-hmm. yet the 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 amount of information that's being compressed into that short duration is just so yes. overwhelming right it's uh, yes. yeah and in spite of that it's still so immersive like you immediately immerse into the sound because of the density and the wall it creates sort of to envelop you in, and like pull you down into the sound as you hear it yeah and have you seen more mother live as well I have not i actually was supposed to perform with more mother really <laughs> 
Yeah, I was so thrilled. Oh my god. I don't know how to explain this. But yeah, we were supposed to perform in Memphis at this fest called Memphis Concrete, but unfortunately it didn't work out. Um and more mother had I think a performance in I think Montreal or Toronto somewhere in Canada and I think it didn't, didn't work out. And I was just so crushed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What? No." <laughs> Oh man! Well, hopefully again. <laughs> but I did perform with some other cool artists like Matt Moss, and there were like several other um, important artists there as well. So, but I was still like very sad that I couldn't perform. Yeah. With <laughs> well, hopefully your paths cross again. I hope so too. I hope so. How many this year? How many in fear? How many this year? How many in fear? They got another one. Another cold case. Another cold case. They got another one. Let's go to your second record now, Shamishda. Uh, you tell okay. me the name of it and a bit about why it's important to you as well. Um, I think that for the second album, I will choose "Parosan" by R.D. Barman. Mm. So I want to choose that one because it's it's an album that I actually grew up. You know, when I was a child, I heard it, and then when I heard it, it was like a really cool album. Like, oh, cool! This is like nice and fun, a fun album. and now that i listen to it i actually can like break the album apart and like analyze you know the sounds that were used and the way it was used in that as as a child i did not you know really do that i didn't analyze the sound that much aha uh-huh. so rd varman i think is like one of the very important um music producers in india um He's like one of the important music producers. There are also obviously other mu- music uh, producers that are very important. But just for this case, I want to talk about Parosan because a lot of this, a lot of the sound that is used in the album are like classical Indian music. So when you think of classical, or at least when I think of classical Indian music, is like very structured, very formal. You know, very yes. has. nothing wrong with formal or structure or that it's a, it's very it feels very formal i think that's the best word i can talk about there's a reason why it feels formal too like that sound and that music um was also not accessible to other people for example um lower caste people so right. it has a it has a history of oppression behind it but also that's but that also brings a lot of that formality in how that sound is perceived by me in my head and what happens in this album is that ardi varman makes into a it makes it into a very fun quirky album <laughs> like it's like completely changed my perception of indian classical music like what <laughs> indian classical music can be fun and goofy i never <laughs> thought about this <laughs> so i think that sort of maybe made 
in the classical music more accessible for me i can't speak for other people but at least for me it made it a little more accessible a little more approachable and even though i didn't at that time have any knowledge of indian classical music i feel like i was able to like appreciate it in a way that wouldn't feel very heavy or um distancing and am i right in saying is this a soundtrack to the film the yes, the movie, yes, yes, it's, it's a movie. So mostly, a lot of, not most of, a lot of um, Indian albums that are released are basically soundtracks of movies. Right. Did I, did I say it right? The, most of the albums that I release are soundtracks of movies, yes. Yes. Uh, so all of our, if not 90% of our movies are basically musicals. So when I come to like US or Europe and people say like, this is a musical movie, I'm like, what? Because <laughs> the movies are not musical? <laughs> So I'm like, how did you live with that? I have no idea. <laughs> I really have no idea. But like, so much gets conveyed to music, and I am like, I don't know how you all did this. But <laughs> so I really like. So I really love the way the sound, the music is blended in in the movie. Sometimes you know, a, a music in a, a sound appears out of sort of nowhere. It feels forced. Mm. And in this, it's actually is not so forced because it actually ties up with the story a lot. The protagonist is actually, well, not protagonist, the side actor to the protagonist is actually a music teacher, a classical music teacher of like, you know. So there's a reason why, you know, there's a classical music usage in the sound and the soundtrack. So it doesn't feel like forced and like that person just like bursts into sound, bursts into a song for no reason. Right. So it it, tie, it has like if you like if you watch the movie you like realize that the sound plays the music plays a very important role in the progression of the plot. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I I kind of looked this up and I watched um, a few clips of the film as well. So nice, yeah. So from 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 what I could gather, it's someone who's trying to woo this girl that he fancies yes. by pretending he can yeah, sing somebody the... who's higher class and rich right by somebody who's not so higher class right and not so rich and he's trying to woo this woman by showing that oh he's actually a musical genius <laughs> which is not which is not yeah which is not which is a facade and like not the correct way to woo a person for sure right. but also like the standards of this woman and her priorities might be i don't know what they are again <laughs> 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 not i i i mean i don't know this they i don't know i'm going to i'm going to hold out a tangent never mind the story <laughs> is that it it becomes a very quirky a very fun goofy approach to learning not learning but like creating music uh-huh. especially indian classical music and i was just like wow this is just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and does the um, so so did you discover I guess the the soundtrack before you discovered the film and did your relationship? I think that's I think that's how we discover movies in India. I think because the sound like the songs get released in sort of in the form of music videos, but you know, like how music videos get released uh-huh. before the whole album is released. So we wow. like get like you know clips of the sound with the like the video of where it's happening in the movie before the movie is officially released. Wow. So basically the opposite of how it generally works over here, where it's like... Yeah, yeah. 
So when you go on MTV and you watch music videos, in India, a lot of time when you go on MTV or some other music channel, you actually watch those videos having the music of the soundtrack of the of the film. Huh. And that like is like a pulling factor, an attracting factor, also promotion of the movie, you know. You also get an idea of what the movie is about and if you want to watch it or not. A lot of our movies actually attract audience based purely on the quality of the sound of the soundtrack and the plot itself may be like just not great at all but <laughs> like the people get like so engaged by the soundtrack that they're like oh wow the soundtrack is so good i'm going to go check out the movie wow i mean the fact that it's such a high quality soundtrack is 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 amazing considering i was reading that so rd berman produced like three hundred over three hundred soundtracks yeah. over the course of like he, he's thirty years. He's a musical years. genius for sure. He's wow. a musical genius for sure. He's also a privileged, you know, man. Right. In if I can say so. But that being said, I feel like in a world where white people's music takes a lot of priority, I feel like his work is definitely something to like, you know, put a little bit of attention on at least. Yeah. And it's the Anything else within um, his output that particularly connects with you as well? Oh, my God. I think, like, he's, like, an Indian experimental artist, if I can say so. <laughs> yeah. If not avant-garde, I will, I'm going to go ahead and record and say, R.D. Varman was an avant-garde artist. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because, because he merged a lot of things that were ahead of its time in his sound. Like, as I said, like, who would have thought, you know, classical music could be goofy that was something that you know is really incredible nobody thinks of it like that at least at that age at the time that it was released Mm. and you know that was definitely a very shifting way of creating or engaging people in music yeah apart from that if you like look up his other work you will see a lot of influence of like western sounds into his music as well which like nobody else did at that time and like his genius was recognized a lot after he died unfortunately Hmm. because some of the sounds that he created people were actually not ready to listen or be open to because they were so different right like the way he used like vocals that was like not used in like usually not used before the way he used them like he sometimes would do this I am not sure what it's called, but it's gnarly, masculine voice, vocals <laughs> behind it. And people were maybe put off by it a little bit, maybe, because they're used to, you know, melodious sounds, melodious voices, melodious vocals. But that was, you know, an experiment that he did at that time. And I think it was a great experiment. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting context in which to be making experiments, right? Because I guess if he's mm-hmm. generating music that is designed to accompany film, um, yes, then you, you have the context of the film to adhere to. But I suppose also you've got an obligation to to, to, to make that music work so that potentially the film can be successful. Yeah. To, so to be bringing such... Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of pressure on the music producer, for sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and I also read that, you know, in the latter part of what he was doing, his popularity did seem to to slip. Do you think that was just because he was working, you know, within a domain that people just weren't ready for as an audience? I think so. I definitely think so. Because I feel like, as I said, I feel like at that time, his work didn't receive the attention they deserve. 
but they did after he died because people were finally opening up to the sound that he was like producing and that's my that's my thought of how it works i could be wrong but that's how i think <laughs> happened and do you have a favorite track as well from from, from parosan yeah i love this uh, the song ek chaturnar I love that song. It's so goofy. <laughs> We'll take your third important record now, Shamish Dev. You tell me the name of it and then a little bit about why it's important to you as well. Um, the third important um, record is Plays by Maria Chavez. I think that that record is like very, very... Um, I don't know what to say. A work that's like I have not seen earlier in ways mm. uh, that I have seen her do it. Like again, this is again constructing sound in ways that challenges people to like create sound. So I feel like that's definitely something that she did in this play, in this record. And she basically created sound from vinyl literally from scratching you know literally from scratches yeah and that's a very interesting um technique to like produce sound from scratch and also it's not just that oh it's a sound scratches but it's also like it builds over time and it has like so many layers and structure and tone the way it evolves it's like unbel- I I I found it like when I was I heard it for the first time I was like wait a minute this was created by scratching a vinyl from <laughs> like like from turntable modulation I could not wrap my brain around it I was just like wow there was like no synths used no VSTs used no okay <laughs> wow there is a minimalism to it for sure but still i feel like when the sound evolves there is like a narration through the sound that's happening that's get constructed and deconstructed literally and also sonically so um you can correct me if i've got the context behind this one wrong yes. but it sounds like so there's a record by stefan goldman which is just a bunch of locked grooves which are entirely empty uh-huh. and yes yes maria is using her techniques in order to scratch onto these 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 yes. lock groups so you're purely getting i guess yes. process and also I, yes. I suppose surface noise yes. um yes. Uh, that concept this is like this is so literally granular synthesis uh-huh. on an analog level this is how i feel right wow yeah so assembling from the from the ground up but with a, a technique that i guess is so often exclusively associated with the reworking of existing material i mean i, I guess that's going yes. on here but but really it's all about process right it's had mm-hmm. the object removed synthesis from of sound from you know in a way that like totally changes what the sound itself was yeah exactly yeah and so it's a very it's a very bold experiment it's a very bold experiment yeah like and also very creative and very 
I think also it's also something that was like ahead of its time, if I can be honest. Yeah, because when when did this one come out? When did it come out? I think it was released in 2019. Yeah. But yeah, I've never heard anything like this at all. It's stunning. Yeah, I haven't either. I definitely, like, I actually, like, met Maria um, I, and when she was in Richmond. And she told me, she and there she was like actually like, uh, when I met her, she was not only performing, but also showing her artwork that was developed from the influenced by record, like r- the grooves of the record, you know, Vinal record. Uh-huh. And I had talked to her like how much that reminded me of Atomic Force Microscopy, actually, because Atomic Force Microscopy, what it does is it uses a cantilever to like go over the surface and it like reads the surface sort of a way like you would maybe read you know a surface with your hand but through a like a an a, like an instrument and you are like recording and like translating how the surface has like highs and lows wow and and like her artwork reminded me a lot of those graphs that I have seen in atomic pore microscopy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> because it's also the same principle. Like mm. if you think of the principle, the principle is still the same. Absolutely. Yeah, what the needle is doing. It's basically typography. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Um another thing that I really love about Maria's output is that she's I guess among quite a few artists working in this domain who are sort of removing the reverie around vinyl records and saying look it's possible to destroy these albums and these beloved objects and and generate something entirely new um yes creation creation from destruction yeah exactly is that an aspect of of her work that appeals to you as well Yes, I love that. I th- I do not know if we can really truly create something if we are not destroying something in that process, be it our own ego or maybe record levels. Right, yeah. <laughs> or or rec- like record vinyl records. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it sounds like, because I think you, you, you met Maria in 2018, is that right? Uh, I cannot remember the exact date, but pr- probably. Sorry, I'm throwing yes. so many dates at you. Beg your pardon. Yes, uh, time is such a thing right now. I I feel like I have lost my perception of time. <laughs> it's not I fair really, of me I to really, be quizzing you <laughs> like really this. Like, <laughs> I really like. I'm, I'm like, what? It's it's still 2020. And I'm, I'm in 2023. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were literally talking about this before we recorded, and, and now I decide yeah. to say, right, when did this event happen? You know, it is uh, mighty cruel. Um, yeah, probably 2018. I think that's. Uh, yeah, I think it happened during the Sound Out Festival in Richmond, gotcha. which I was part of, and Maria was one of the visiting, you know, genius artists. That was, I think, when I met Maria. Yeah, and what was she like in person? amazing like so down to earth so genuine Hmm. so supportive very very supportive wicked um yeah and is there any other of her works as well that you you connect with beyond plays i feel like um i cannot really recreate what she performs live like i have seen her perform like her, her dj performances i've seen her perform those and i've also seen her perform you know these these sound art that she does, which are which are like real time improvisations, mm. and those are not recorded, you know. But those are like for only the 
it's only a good fortune of the person who is present at that time right and i like that ephemeralness you know yes. of those performances as well absolutely yeah like there's a beauty in that real time performance that you know is like precious because it's just for now yes yeah um there's something quite apt as well as that occurring within the context of turntablism which works with recorded materials that something entirely fresh and pertinent to that moment is taking place when you smush all of that together that's really nice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so much of so much of our focus sometimes when creating art is like how we can record it be it like you know say we are outside or we're taking pictures or we are creating art and we're like oh my gosh how can i record this while i'm performing it and i think a lot of our brain energy goes into that mm-hmm. and i really like it i think a lot of some of, some of the best art happens spontaneous yeah that's that's a really interesting point um in fact i i saw maria talking in an interview about something along these lines recently although kind of going yes, going in the absolutely. other direction on a different point but she was like a lot of people you know, record incessantly she was like i i never mm-hmm. understood but then when we entered this this period of pandemic suddenly mm-hmm. all those recordings became artifacts of things that we may never actually return to yeah. so that documentation that's suddenly so, becomes that's, vital that's so incredible like recordings becoming time capsule something i i was not implying when i was talking about this mm. but that's a that's a really big thing that she says yeah and it makes so much impact and so much it means so, it like throws so much light yeah and have you i, I think she's also done a book as well is that something that you've checked mm-hmm. out at all yes i have oh, i wicked. have checked out <laughs> yeah her her book is i mean like so good um it's it's like it i think it has a very interesting feminist you know perspective and a not just a feminist but like a feminist person of color perspective on you know creation of sound generation of sound art and you know engineering mm. sounds you know as we i have as we have talked about um when i have, i met her in person she talked uh, she spoke a lot about her influence of her praxis um from pauline pauline olivers yes and yes. um i feel like those are like very important um philosophies not just for creating sound but also for like real life practice like we talk so much and we listen hear so much but how much are of it are we actually absorbing and listening yes so i think those are some things that she also talks about often and those are very important things with respect to listening specifically um is there a way in which you protect that practice and make it something intentional and uh, and something you engage with with a lot of purpose i try to i'm not saying i'm perfect at all <laughs> <laughs> but i do try to mm. i i'm somebody who gets distracted by interesting sounds right so i could be like walking on the street and i just get hear this like oh wow this thing that hit the metal sounds so good <laughs> <laughs> and you know I just, i just enjoy that one second of that metal ringing <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's it has that has a very interesting force 
not just sonic force but also like an impact on how i'm perceiving that moment at that time mm. so that's something that i try a lot i hopefully try to recapitulate the same thing with when i'm interacting with human beings <laughs> i hope so i truly and really hope that i'm listening to human beings as well with the same intention because i try to at least from my end i'm definitely not a perfect person yeah but um yeah i try to bring that same intention of listening and also like making sure i'm listen i'm hearing what they are trying to convey not just hearing but also like getting their perspective but like whenever have you ever listened to the hum of the tube light or the bulb when you're in a room um do you know i i haven't really like my tinnitus is pretty bad so that may be why oh. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i feel like most electronic instruments have their own drone mm. sound that like happens when they're active and it's very intriguing to me because sometimes i hear like i walk past the mic the not the microwave the microwave also makes sounds of course but like when i walk past the refrigerator and i know ex- i ex- i know exactly what i'm hearing here like listening to even if i like i'm walking clo- like with my eyes closed it's the hum of that refrigerator and that coolant moving in those circuits you know right and you know it's not just sound it also is a function of it being sort of alive or like functional right in a way and like it's a sound it, it's as if it's communicating that i'm working and it, and if it's not <laughs> working then it's also will like create a different sort of sound that you will not like <laughs> yes exactly yeah so it's like you know they are also communicating yes yeah so this so the so i i think a lot about non human sounds communicating not just refrigerator <laughs> but also like in the natural world when i'm like sitting and i'm try i try to distinguish between like the sounds that i'm hearing say it be this bird or just the wind hmm. or you know just the feeling that you get when maybe something in, in the far away you heard something and you don't know what it is <laughs> right exactly um I think it's such an interesting point. It's something that I've been reflecting on a lot recently, which is um that that, that it it makes you realize that there is a, a really strong bias taking place in terms of what you actively process when you listen to a space and you listen to a yes. room and you say perceive it as silent or not. Um yes. but having recently got quite heavily into birds and bird watching like suddenly oh, wow. being nice. attuned to bird song in a way where it's like that sound always existed and was was always right but 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 as soon as your mind is directed in a particular direction uh-huh. you know so suddenly yes. those sounds become yes. actively processed rather than just part yes. of your p- periphery yes robin wall kimmer who is an indigenous right who's like writes about the indigenous history roots uh in their work regarding botany actually like wrote about an indigenous philosophy like nature will show it to you when you're ready to like accept it oh. or like receive it wow. and then so she talks about this in a way like she was looking for this plant and she like scoured like the whole area of trying to find it trying to find it and suddenly from the corner of her eye she like saw it 
and then she realized it was like surrounding her <laughs> everywhere and she like like and she just had to like be able to like receive that form that she was looking for and she was like so focused in trying to find it and she couldn't like you know was not ready to like receive it right oh that's so lovely so humbling as well um yeah please if you if that's available somewhere um online like please do send me that the book? I'd love to, oh yeah, is it a yeah, book yeah. oh yeah send me a link i'd love to uh, yeah check yeah, that yeah. Out absolutely more. she has written like two beautiful books one of which is braiding sweet grass and one of which is gathering moss i highly recommend people to read those books Excellent. it's like whenever i read it it's like i'm slipping into this magical world <laughs> oh. but it's like a magical world that surrounds me as well i'm just not have paid attention to Great. Well, I believe you got one more important record as well, Shamishta. So if you could give yes. me the name of it, and then <laughs> I, I mean, hey, we usually do three, but you give me this list, and I was like, all of these are so worth yeah, digging I into. I could, I couldn't make up my mind and be like, <laughs> I have three. I'm like, I can't leave this other one behind either. Totally. So this one is um, called Black by Pan Daijing, who's an Asian artist, uh, a woman. Of color, and I feel like her work is also so powerful, and yeah, I feel I think I came across her work not too long ago, as in not too long, as in maybe a few years actually. But her work has this very this has this muted, subtle intensity mm. that I really like about it. Um, for example, the first track in the album, which is called "Phenomenon." um the way the music starts with this the way so the, i think what she is using in the track in the beginning of the sound song or music is um a string instrument but the way the it is used is like something that i wouldn't maybe think of right away for sure yeah and then like her vocals blend in and they just create this very mysterious environment and like as if i'm like about to like witness maybe as like a kind of an opera i think she yes. calls it an opera too yeah i think she calls it an opera too and definitely has that like um quality in it for sure so like that introduction of the of her album definitely has an operatic vocal and an opera feeling to it and then it like evolves per track like every track is very different from the other and it has that strange eerie mysterious intensity in all of those tracks and i really like that do you um remember how you first came into it I think I came across on it on Bandcamp. Nice. I was again soul <laughs> music searching. <laughs> okay, I'm curious when you um, kind of go perusing for music on Bandcamp, which is you know something I do a lot as well. 
how do cool. you how, are you literally just browsing like what's your what's your way th- way into it that's that's a really good question so when i came across this track my browsing praxis or practice was <laughs> different so what i was then do is like i, I was i so where i used to live back then was a 20 minute walk from my work so i would just like walk from my work and while i was walking i was like i'm going to walk and listen to music and i'm going to find music to accompany my walk oh nice <laughs> and 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 like each walk became like sort of uh um an exploration of this work of like every every walk was like as if i was you know interacting with this art while i was walking and i was processing the sound and the narrative and the philosophy behind each album as i was walking mm. so some of my walks were very eerie and mysterious <laughs> <laughs> and some of my walks were you know very intense and dense and some of my walks were very dancing <laughs> <laughs> so i was like okay so what you know it's sort of like serendipity also like i was not looking for something particular but also looking for something particular at the same time if that makes sense yeah absolutely yeah so like, i was not particularly looking for pandaging exactly mm. so when I, i was not particularly looking for pandaging when i found pandaging but when i found pandaging this album i was like this is what i was waiting to hear for a long time <laughs> it was such a refreshing different sound from what i had been exposed to before i heard this and as well it seems like a big part of her her practice emerges in in live performance so that have you seen her perform live at all or unfortunately no i wish i could but i have not mm. i think she lives in berlin i was going to say <laughs> yeah i guess um Yeah. You are probably closer to finding her perform live than me. But I can't say for sure because in the pandemic has made the world so small. So maybe I'll, one day maybe she'll decide to do a virtual performance. I don't know. Right, I surely exactly. hope so. I definitely hope so. Then I will be like able to like watch her perform live. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um yeah, I saw her at the Barbican which is this venue in London which um quite a mm-hmm. large kind of theater space but with gigantic screens and um again everything you you said about the sonic quality is that operatic quality the mm. kind of strangeness uh-huh. she brings to you know a string yes. instrument that would otherwise manifest as something quite different in the hands of someone else just mm-hmm. feels so the gestures that she brings to performance like movement yeah. and posture all feels so yeah. full of purpose and intention but yes. there is like an element of horror right. but it's like very aesthetic right yes and i'm like How do you do this? Right. <laughs> <laughs> How do you make horror pleasing? Right. Uh and is this a record that since discovering do you return to it often? I do. I like I like listening to it a lot. I think when I listen to it I like sort of in something in my head sort of shift gears. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel I become like maybe more open to like different inputs of sound. Mm. that is like not mainstream and yeah i feel like there's like so it's like sometimes we sometimes people talk about like we are what we eat but right. we are also what we listen right so so 
yeah sometimes i feel like my brain sort of changes regarding to what i'm listening yeah and it's that for you this is a very broad question so brace yourself um is that okay. the, is that the driver for you for do you think moving into say exploratory music or experimental music as a listener is that is that the thing you think pulls you forward is this this broadening that can take that that can take place of you know what you think is possible or you know yes broadening but with intention i think i would if i had to like keep it brief <laughs> nice. like exploration but with intention intentional exploration mm. exploration that i feel will imp- maybe change the way people think about things in a good way and maybe it will change them enough to like so that they will maybe take action about the things i'm trying to talk about yeah so for example when i you know made it's the track for so on um china bot regarding their sks compilation like i definitely hope people will listen to it and just not listen to it and appreciate it, but also like work on what i am trying to convey like we have to work for our own survival and the survival of humanity henceforth and like we need to be very intentional about you know everything that we do so that that crisis doesn't happen so that intention beneath what you're doing is like an integral part not just yes you know the intention is integral but i'm also trying to like you know trying to grow through my work as well hmm growing is something that's very important to me um growing as a person but also growing my art practices growing as to how much and what i can receive and give and in what way hmm. i think those are things that i try to work on i feel like somebody who like you know is biology i constantly see things growing be it cells or plants <laughs> and those that growth is very inspiring and i feel i want to capture that in my life as well on that i'm intrigued because with that growth i guess you have the opportunity to reflect on sort of past iterations of yourself as well how does your relationship with say your own music change over time um if we take for example like the record you released last year voices in my head which is mm-hmm. amazing um i really encourage people to to check that out that came out on on trinobot um do you feel differently about that record uh came out last year i mean how how has your relationship with a, a record like that changed over time That's a really good question. I wish I had answer, but I feel like <laughs> I feel like once I like release something, I don't listen to it. Right. Because oh, I feel like I I feel like I will find like 300 mistakes right. in every track and I'm like, ah. Yeah, you don't need to carry and, and, that around with you, right? And it's just not after I release even before I release. Like when I'm done with a track, I sometimes don't come come back to it. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's something i need to work on about myself i don't know but i feel like how much how long and how much can i like work on this one track right and should i like stay stuck in this or should i like move on and do other things so i feel like i try to just move on and do other things right exactly yeah <laughs> um i'm like okay this is the best i could do in this 
in this fixed amount of time and I'm done and I'm okay I'm releasing it to the world right. and the world will decide how it is and I I I I probably hating this at this point but I'm done with it <laughs> <laughs> and um what about as like a a listener so if we return to lack as well um that record's been out three years now i don't know when you first encountered it but do you hear it differently now like do do your these important records of yours sort of change Mm -hmm. over time i definitely think uh the way i hear it changes not just over time like as in years but also like maybe even few days because i am not always in the same mindset all the time Uh uh-huh you know and be it emotionally or psychologically or even just because of where i am in my life at that point you know those things definitely influence the way i'm hearing the sound and i i wish we could be like very objective and very impartial to way we ways we receive sound but we don't there are some parts of the sound that move us more than others based based on the mood that we that we have at that moment yes and if we are trying to find something say joyous then maybe an eerie soundtrack will you know not mesh with what you're trying to hear at that point so i definitely feel like just based on that physical emotional psychological aspect every time i hear an album i hear it differently every time and apart from that if i if you i have to talk about how i hear it differently over years i just feel like my genuine um appreciation for the artist just increases over time So I'm intrigued on the back of that how fixed these important records are as you say mood and context are so informative in terms of what resonates with us at any given moment so would you have picked do you think a different set of important records had no. circumstances no <laughs> <laughs> I would have pro- I would probably would have probably picked more if I had the option but you said 3 and I still stretched it to 4 <laughs> so I think these are like important records for me and will be the same yes cuz I think they are very important in an absolute way for me right because they are not just important in the quality that they offer but also in ways that what they teach me every time I listen to it and mm. I think that's not going to really change amazing well that feels like a a great place to to close um Shamita thank you so much for speaking to me about both your own work and these important records as well this has been great thank you jack thank you for having me and i really appreciate all your questions and our little discussion Excellent. well not so little maybe we've talked over an hour <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was it was very very wonderful to talk to you i'm so glad and if people want to check out your music and your work as well where's the best place for them to to go online to do that i think bandcamp is the best place to listen to sound mm-hmm. 
and if they want to check out the video work that I have done I think I have a few on YouTube my first short film that I made called home is actually on YouTube and yeah I think if they google home by Shabu Staluk there maybe something will come up in Google or whichever search engine you are using hopefully (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I'll include a link as well to that in the show notes um, so people can bypass that if they please Excellent. Well, thank you once again. And to everyone listening, I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. Thank you so much.